Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who like to get into a little good trouble. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, but you know that I could never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of Naughty by Nature. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? No doubt, no doubt. Elgin, say hello. Well, I'm proud of you, boy. Listen, man, that's like three shows in a row, boy. You're doing good. <laughs> Tretch is so underrated as an MC, man, by the way. But hey, family, go ahead, man. I, I, listen, Tretch should be in people's top 20. Right? Well, we'll talk about it another Whatever. time. That's, that's, another, that's another show. But of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe and hit that thumbs up button. It helps out a lot. And please go ahead and check us out across all social media at In The Black PDCST. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show and bring on our incredible guest tonight, L, please tell these good folks how they can become part of the family, man. Man, head on over, slide on over, ease on over to the In The Black Podcast website. And up in the right-hand corner is to become, I should be, become a member of the family, but my co-host fucked that up. Uh, so become family tab. Click that. And once you click that, you scroll on down. And there's multiple ways that you can become a member of the family. And listen, man, cop some of this swag. The hoodies and the t-shirts are excellent quality as someone who has bought them. They don't shrink. They ain't trash like some of them other sites that sound like overpriced shit. Uh, also, to become a Patreon, click that. Or you just want to donate. We take a little bit of everything. CBT, EBT, uh, ATM, Ray Ray and Num. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead and, you know, just slide on through, man. But whatever you do, just become part of the family, man. We appreciate all of you guys who actually tolerate us or particularly tolerate O. Uh, <laughs> you thought it was say me. You're not even saying mine. They love me. <laughs> we appreciate y'all, man. Become family. Come on through. One of these days, you're going to have some damn home training in your life, and we'll figure it out. Uh, tonight... We are joined by a very special guest. I am actually extremely excited for tonight. She is the Associate Professor of Political Science at Fordham University, MSNBC political contributor, and author of Black Ethnics, Race, Immigration, and the Pursuit of the American Dream. Please help me welcome Dr. Christina M. Greer to the show. Dr. Greer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, come and kick it with us yeah. to school, to school two knuckleheads like Phil and L, particularly, but 
Yeah, thank you. We really thank you all it. for working with my insane schedule. No, nah, like, no, nah, we all good. We know that the big brains got a lot of on their table and on their plate, so we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, there you go now, again. we are familiar with you, but please, yes. if you could help to introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Well, I'm a professor at Fordham in New York City in the political science department and American studies. Uh, I show up on MSNBC a lot, but I'm not a contributor. I'm a contributor to New York One. So for those of you okay. who are in, the, are in the New York City area, I'm in New York One. I've got a wonky, nerdy New York City podcast called FAQ NYC. So if you'd like to go knee deep in the weeds about like Albany city politics. Mm, that, that's what's up. Um, I got that's a pop-up up. podcast right now with Jason Johnson. He's always... Uh, he's okay, okay. The bro Jason Johnson. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my... That's my rascal. Um, <laughs> so uh, we do that through the Grio because I'm the politics editor at the Grio. That's what's I'm up. Editor at large for Ozzy.com. You know, it's just tapping into these Bahamian roots. I got like 12 jobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, before, we, before we get into the real meat and potatoes of it, your book, Ethnics, right? I, like I want to ask. I want to ask you. Because I was like, wait, oh, what's uh, is it Olatunde? My name is Adeyemi. I took Yoruba when I went to Soa. So I was like, Babonni. Come on. Like, what's going on? We about to speak some Yoruba up in here. Why yeah, is it like Nigerian friends? Like, let's go. Come in this way and start talking nice to me. I treated so nicely by the guests and youths. You know she hasn't said anything nice about you yet. So it's so, yeah, free ad time Like real talk, real talk, gentlemen. I'm just trying to hustle some jollof rice. That's I all. see. Like, you know what? I got. That's you. all I'm trying I to do. I'm being real polite because I'm like, so <laughs> that's why I was like, so where do you live again? But the war is I will show up like a, an old squirrel just at your door, like you get some jello. <laughs> oh, now before sure. we get into the beaten potatoes of the show, I gotta ask you, black ethnics, what brought you? to writing that book right. because it does really kind of break down mm-hmm. for lack of a better description the relationship between black ethnic america and black america and it seems like how white america tries to juxt has tries to position us against one yeah. another is that fair enough yes because this conversation is happening with the white gaze on us so just to back mm-hmm. up a little bit when i was a an undergraduate at Tufts, I wrote a senior honors thesis comparing crime and public policy in Boston and Baltimore. Baltimore is my favorite U.S. city. I've never lived in Baltimore. I'm from New York. I'm from Philly. But like Baltimore is my favorite U.S. city. Big L, I see you shaking your head. That's okay. Um, so I get to grad school and I, I think I'm going to be an urbanist. I think I'm just going to study cities because all I love is like cities and black people. And so at the time in, in the academy, they were like, well, cities are dead. So no one was really talking about cities. I didn't understand how cities could be dead if that's where black people and immigrants live. So I switched to sort of thinking more specifically just about black people, but I wanted to have conversations with black people through the lens of cities. And instead I have conversations about black people through the lens of ethnicity. And New York is actually one of the actors in my book, if you will. So I was mm. curious about the relationship between Afro-Caribbeans, Africans, and Black Americans, and what policy positions could we look at and figure out where we could have substantive coalition building? Like, not mm. just kind of come together, mm. but like, mm. what, you know, how do we frame issues so that we can have long-standing coalition building and not be sort of pit against one another? But we know that Black immigrants come to the United States and they they kind of have this I call it the, the the black prefix, right? They can't become American. They have to become black American. So mm. in my study, a lot of black immigrants were like, I'll just stay immigrant. 
And we've never seen that before. You know, usually yeah. immigrants come here and it's like assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I kind of hear like y'all are last place. And so the race has traveled, right? I mean, they they yeah. understand, yeah. you know, the the racial hierarchies and the white supremacy that exists in this country. And so because of residential segregation, we're together. Like we know what hus- housing stock looks like and we know how white people yeah. view us. Yeah. But then there are these instances where I created this theory of like the elevated minority where Afro-Caribbeans and Africans are sometimes treated not like a model minority, right? Like you'll never be as fancy as Asian Americans, but it's like, but you're kind of better than black Americans. And so like, Mm. what does that do to people who hear that as black immigrants? But what does it also do to black Americans who hear that? And so, and they start to believe that too. So when I asked certain questions about work ethic and about uh, drive and, and sort of how they view themselves in their communities, Black Americans agreed with Caribbeans and Africans that, oh, yeah, they work harder. But it's like, mm. but you you believe that you work less? And it's like, yeah, I do. And and that, to me, was the, one of the most damaging things. Because it's like, well, I don't, but my people do. And mm. so thinking about yeah. immigration, it's like, well, we're not comparing the same thing, right? Because if you mm. got a derelict weed-smoking uncle in Nigeria, guess what? He's still in Nigeria. So right. we're dealing with kind of like a certain type of immigrant that has the social, political, and economic networks to actually even get here. So with mm. Black Americans, we have the whole orchard. We got A through Z. Sure, sure. With Black immigrants, and with all immigrants, we only actually have bushels. We only have like A through F. Because if you're a mess, you ain't coming here yeah. for a host of reasons. So yeah, how, we can, how we sort of pit Im- Black immigrants against Native Black people, it's like, but we're dealing with all of Black people and then only a select group of immigrants. And so I feel like that's an unfair conversation that we're having, but people mm-hmm. buy into it. And you see that currently. I don't know if you're familiar with the ADOS movement. I am. And they have oh, they have adopted okay. my book and they seem to like I it. I was just I about know, to say they that they've adopted your book. I was going to say fascinating. Yeah. So it's like, if you have read my book, you know that I'm the opposite of ADOS. Right. If you just read the title, then it's like, oh yeah, she thinks that Black Americans are like better than Caribbeans and they shouldn't be here getting reparations. It's like, that is absolutely... Yeah. Not what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm talking about how can we build coalitions? Because we have generations of Caribbeans who have been in this country. We have actually generations of African immigrants who are in this country. Yeah, and so yeah, some depending yeah. on where you live, some people are just like, all right, we black, right? It makes more sense for all of us yeah. to be together. Safety and numbers, yeah. let's not try and like divvy it up. But if you live in a place like New York or Miami or even DC mm-hmm. where there is an abundance of folks, then of course, then I can have I can rep my own identity. But in a lot of places, it doesn't. It's not advantageous to do that because it's like, well, it's the two of us in school. So like, we're the black kids, and we're gonna stick together. (laughs) Or at work, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but we do see people sort of keeping last names to sort of signal, though, that like, okay, well, I'm not them exactly. Mm. And so, what does that then do to our longstanding relationships? And so, how can we build substantive coalitions that are longstanding in the future? Okay, so the end. Answer that question. How do you believe that we can actually build these substantive coalitions? Because it becomes, especially with the, as the ADOS movement grows, and are those like coalitions it's becoming, needed? It just so, it just seems like it's becoming difficult. The process of binding or becoming building this coalition has yeah. become harder. It at least yeah. it appears as such, right? True, but here's the thing: it's like we also have to recognize sometimes coalitions are longstanding, and sometimes they're going to be temporary, right? So, for example. Rodney King, Amadou Diallo, Abner mm-hmm. Louisa, right? Mm-hmm. Those bullets and those police officers did not care. Oh, are you, where are you from? They don't care what country you're from, right? right? So when we think about vigilante violence or police 
state sanctioned violence. Like they're not like, oh, you're Nigerian. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to shoot you in the back. Right. They see black men. So when we, I found that when I sort of contextualized certain issues in a racialized sphere, black be white, then we saw more uh, people willing to sort of build coalitions. I think part of the problem that I have with ADOS, and I hope I don't get crazy hate mail because I, and, no, you won't. But whatever. I, but, I, I, um, I'll probably get it. You won't. Okay. But part of the issue I have is that, you know, a lot of it is is under this competition lens. And it's like, listen, there's no such thing as scarce resources in the United States. It's a perception of scarce resources. We got money for days because guess what? If we needed to go to war tomorrow, we find like a million dollars. Yeah. Right. So it's like we don't it's not like we have scarce resources. It's just we stay fighting on, over crumbs and not keeping our eye on the prize, which is what are the issues? And how can we come together to work on better housing stock or environmental issues or transportation issues or healthcare or jobs or whatever it is? And so stop thinking about us as the beef, right? Black ethnics as the beef. And it's like, what are the white institutional power structures that are preventing all of us from having equity? Mm. So mm. like, don't turn it on the immigrants. Like last I checked, the immigrants weren't running things the way white supremacists are so focused, you know? And so, but I think a lot of white people and a lot of Eidos folks, the reason why they can sometimes come together is because the lack of focus is to get like, it's similar, you know? And so this, you're such an extremist against immigrants. It's like, well, so are white nationalists. You end up sort of in circle talk saying the same thing. Mm. And so that's what's concerning to me, but I find it highly problematic that they read the title of the book and it's like, yeah, right on. And I'm like, yeah. open it up. <coughs> read, just read the preface. <laughs> just, just read a little bit, just a little just, bit. Just a skosh. Just okay. <laughs> All right. Now, one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons that I wanted to the have election. you through, like, yo, yes, election, I, we need for you to talk me off the ledge or something okay. because... Or push. Let's, okay. Don't no no pushing. No pushing. My my wife and kids love me, okay? So no pushing. So one of the questions that I have to ask you is really this as of right now, we are under the belief that Joe Biden is the president elect based on the Electoral College, yeah. all of that, right? We can count. But, he is. <laughs> but we don't want to forget that there is a reason why Donald Trump swiftly pushed in Amy uh Comey Barrett into the Supreme Court. If one of these cases, flimsy as it may be, with all of the judges that Trump has already appointed, and somehow it gets to the Supreme Court, do you think that we could have another term of President Trump? Or is that just goofy yeah, thinking on my part? No, 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 no. I mean, hey, listen, never put anything past white supremacists now. <laughs> um, but that's like the nuclear worst case scenario. There is a reason why he rushed through Amy Coney Barrett, because he... Because he doesn't understand the three branches of government and he thinks that being an executive is like, I'm the king. It's like, actually, it's set up precisely the opposite. opposite. So you think right. you wouldn't, the right? But he's like, he's, and you know, for those of us who grew up in New York, know that he's always, he's always suing people as frivolous and flimsy as it may be. And so you heard him over the past few months, like, I'll take it to the Supreme Court. Hey, homie, guess what? Here's how it works. You can't wake up and have feelings and go to the Supreme Court. You actually have to work through lower courts. Now, he has put in over 200 judges across the country in lower yep. courts, many of whom received an F rating from the American Bar Association, many of whom are holding oh, oh, <laughs> an F rating from the American <laughs> Bar Association. <laughs> These are people who have jobs for life. They're on the bench yep. for life, but they were confirmed 
by Republican <laughs> Senate. So they are there for life. So he's hoping to get sympathetic judges. And he'll probably find one at some point in time. But this is why we should you should feel a little bit better this evening, knowing that some of our institutions, they are afraid, but they're still holding. So he has brought court case after court case after court case. I think we're on number 12, maybe even 13. Yeah, exactly. 13, and these judges yeah. were like, boo, Not these play. are feelings. These are feelings, <laughs> sir. And he surrounds himself with incompetence. So if he had the best legal minds that George Bush had in 2000 for Bush v. Gore, mm-hmm. right, you should be very afraid. He does mm-hmm. not have the best legal mind. He has people who were like, oh, this bro is sick. He's just crazy. But hey, I'm not trying to flex on him because we know that he has a lot of power. So they're bringing these court cases. Today, they brought a court case in the wrong court. So it's like, it should have been filed in Michigan. It was filed in the D.C. like um, economic court. The judge is like, what are you doing? Like, I can't even help you if I wanted to. Right? Whose land is this? like, what's this? What is this? So I mean, so like, you should rest a little easy. There are a few other things. Yes, the Republicans have spines made of jello, but on the back channels, they're like, okay, this might be a bridge too far. Because mm. guess what? We all know this. One, he's he's weakened our our relationship with the media. So he's been yeah. saying for four years, they lie to you, they lie to you, they lie to you. Yeah. And he set that up because he thought, well, when he he thought he was gonna lose to Hillary Clinton, so he was just gonna go on his, you know, victim tour for four years and harass her. Then, to his surprise and our surprise, we got a lot more racist than we thought. So it's like, oh, wow, I won. <laughs> so he spends the whole four years still being the victim, right? I'm the hero and the victim of my own story every day. Okay. But it's still the media is a liar. The media is a liar. The media is a liar. So now that we get to a point where the media, even Fox News is like Joe Biden won, he can look at his ravenous base and say, see, they're lying. They're stealing it from me. He doesn't believe that. He knows they're suckers, right? He's a grifter. So mm. basically the reason, what what does concern me I will be honest. What concerns me is the next 69 days leading up to January 20th, oh, yeah. right? The inauguration. Because he will leave. I firmly believe that. Like, okay. I, I do believe our institutions will somehow usher it. But what he will do in the process before he leaves is dangerous. I think he will sell this country for parts. I think he will sell our secrets if he has to. I think he's setting himself up financially because that $400 million Deutsche Bank bill yeah, is coming those through. Loans are coming. He's going to need... Lawyers on lawyers, because black woman Tish James, Attorney General of New York, is waiting for him. She's ready right? for him, yeah. You can yeah. pardon yourself for federal crimes, not for state crimes. Not so state. he's going to need to lawyer up. And then the thing is, he's been hustling people for so long, everybody knows your hustle. So now some people are going to make, uh, excuse me, sir, I kind of need my money up front, because I know you yeah, don't pay. Right. Like, you've been, <laughs> you know, he's like, the check is in the mail. That's his whole career. But so, I mean, when you start, when you stop and think about like what happened during Watergate, Republicans held yes. Nixon's back all the way to the very end and almost at the detriment of the country. And even then you would say that that was a better situation than we're in now because you still got the Ted Cruz's, the Lindsey Graham's of the world talking about donating millions and millions yeah. of dollars to his case and all this other nonsense. Yeah. It, and it just and seems that, very back scary. then, but back then, and I am no fan of Nixon, trust and believe, but- he was like, I'm going to get impeached. Let me leave. Let me let me exit stage left before I embarrass right this nation. Uh-huh. Because at the time, it, we hadn't had an impeachment in modern history. right? We yeah. had some judges and like one president in the past. But he was like, I don't want to be number two. Bill Clinton was number two, right? Mm. Donald Trump's number three. So it's like yeah. that was sort of seen as like such an extreme. And the people in his party were like, you got to go. Because you were about to ruin it for us. And after... Uh, Nixon, this is how we get Jimmy Carter in 1976, yeah. my second favorite president. Yeah. LBJ is my first president. 
So the Democrats swept the tables, right? Because it's like, ugh. And that fractured the country for a really long time. It hurt the party for a long time. And then Reagan comes in and does what he does. But like Nixon sort of hurt some faith in the country. We're going to, we are going to be processing as a nation, the after effects of a Trump administration, because it's not just him. It's who aided and abetted him. Right. Yeah. And then all these people are going to try and get jobs in universities and go on speaking tours. And they must be shamed. Those people need to be like literally the some symbolic tarred and feathered. Right. Because they have lied to the American public and they put a man in front of the Constitution. And listen, as a black person in this country, I have a very complicated relationship with America. But the Constitution must come first. You cannot put a president first. That is the intact the antithesis of what the framers intended with George Washington and him wearing the teeth of his enslaved Africans. But that's neither here nor there, right? So we know that we have a problematic nation, but we've usually had men who respect the office. They don't always make policy that I agree with, but they at least respected the office to a certain extent. And they weren't there to like hustle it and just make money. I you mean, the money that this men have made, gotten lesser and lesser though? Well, here's the thing. The role of the executive has gotten wider and wider. Okay. So the the George Washington, the first president, is supposed to be basically like a step above a secretary. It was all on Congress. Because keep in mind, in the Constitution, Article One of the Constitution is the legislative branch. Yep. Article Two is the executive, then the courts. Yep. So that gives you just a little window into, even though there's supposed to be three equilateral branches, right? right, right? But it gives you a little window. Yeah. It's like the Congress yeah. was supposed to be the real one. So yeah. over, you know, and then Congress is like, well, I'm overextended. So there's this push-pull of power, right? Sure. The executive has been pulling some power. I want a little more. But then Congress at times was like, hey, you got to take some of this power. Like as we become a global nation, all these things. So no president has said, you know what? This is a lot of power. Let me give some back to Congress, right? So the role of the presidency keeps expanding and therefore the role of the bureaucracy expands as well. And so you have now a very presidential power, right? And George Bush grabbed a ton of power after 9-11, right? Yep. Like after major events, that's Large the time to grab the power. It's like, I got to do some things. Right. I got to do them quickly and I don't have time to talk to Congress. And then Obama grabs some more powers. Yeah. And then we've seen Trump grab some more powers. So the next president, you know, I don't, Joe Biden might not abuse it, but he's damn sure not going to give it back. Like, you know what? Right, no, right. it's too much right. for me. Right. Like, okay. So, I mean, this is, this is where we are. And I think honestly, guys, just, you know, because of the Black podcast, I mean, this is my theory. Like, this apoplectic behavior that we're seeing amongst white people, the 70 million who voted for Donald Trump, 71 yep. and the Republican Party <laughs> that consistently supports this man, even when he's like, I won by the biggest margin. It's like, homie, now it's getting sad. Like, now it's getting embarrassing. <laughs> Stop. Like, this is like the drunk guy at the party. It's like, I'm amazing. It's like, no, it's really drunk. It's time to go. Oh, no. Like, like take his keys away from him. Like, Stop. Someone call the girls. Someone call yeah. baby. Yeah, right, like, right, right. like, puked in the bushes, dude. Like, now I'm feeling bad for so, But I think, honestly, I think part of the, the hysteria isn't about Joe Biden. It's about Kamala Harris being number two. It's about a black Indian woman who's the child of immigrants, who has a Jewish husband, who has chosen not to have children, so she has agency over her own body. She mm. went to HBCU. She's that. smart, right? I mean, there are all these things where it's like, what? And it's like, right. <laughs> and this 78-year-old, Joe Biden's going to be 78 when he's sworn in, right? This 78-year-old man, old president, the history of the United States, right? And she's literally a heartbeat away. And also... Black women have never gotten anything before white women in this country, except for rape. That's it. 
So she that. could very well be the leader of this nation. Mm -hmm. so, and I think, listen, this is, I think that's what's keeping them up where it's like, we got to figure out this math. It's like, uh-uh, honey, there is no math. But we also have to recognize that 71 million people said children in cages, Trump. black yeah. women and mm -hmm. Latinx women being sterilized, stealing of native yeah. lands, environmental mm -hmm. treaties hey, just in the trash. You know, our allies internationally just like, I don't know, it's over. Recession, almost a quarter million Americans dead because of a, a virus yep. that you were too incompetent to handle. 10 yep. million Americans living with COVID and we don't know what's going to happen to them. You're trying to take away their health insurance and people have pre-existing conditions now called yeah. COVID, right? To say nothing about all the other pre-existing yeah. conditions. All of that. And people are like, you know what? I think I want four more years of that. Like all that chaos, all that tweeting in the morning. Like I'm good with it. Mm. All the police shooting black people in the middle of the day. Like I'm fine. Like I'm totally fine. Yeah. So we have to sort of reckon with that as well. Okay. All right, let me oh, ask you this. Oh gosh, I I'm such a Debbie Downer. It's like dude, dude. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Usually, that's fine. usually that's fine. L is the downer that's in awesome. here, and so it's a breath of fresh air tonight. Oh, well, I, I, I'm numb to L at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the question that I have for you actually is, where do we go from here? Given the fact that we have a potential president-elect Biden. We still have control of the house. It's not potential. He is president. I mean, we're going to certify it on December. Oh, okay, okay. Like, we're going to speak it into existence. Because I mean, the we got squats. We got to use the right language. Like he is president elect. Okay, this is I the got language you. we use. He will be certified, and so like we can't sort of let Trump language get to us. He's the president okay. elect because ma the fair. math is right. That's fair. That's <laughs> the math fair. ain't funny. That's fair. Scared, That's, fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Given that, but we don't have control of the Senate, and we know that that's partially what helped to kill, quote unquote, kill Obama after 2010 uh -huh. in terms of policies and progressing uh, that Democratic agenda. Uh, where do we go from here? We have an argument quite often on this show about being able to hold politicians' feet to the fire and making sure that they do what they're supposed to do. And, but we look at this election and we see Jamie Harrison getting washed. We thought it was going to be a much tighter race than what it was. Why? It. Why? I honestly why? think that's because the same thing. Listen, 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 listen. This is why? the reason why. It's South Carolina. He's a Democrat. It's no, South this Carolina. is the reason why. Wow, why? why? We've been conditioned <laughs> to believe that the candidate that has the most money and is able to spend mm. the most money yeah. typically has the most influence. And with but the way Jamie was getting that money, oh, I was like, whoa. Oh, oh. We have to ask where that money is coming from. If that money is all coming from New York and Los Angeles, because I do a lot of fundraising for a lot of people outside of New York City, right? But if all, not all, but if a lot of your money is coming from all these good liberals from outside of your state, what does that mean? Right? Mm. Because this is why you always want someone to give you at least a dollar. Donate just $3. Because if I give you $3, the, the probability that I'm going to go vote for you is exponential. Right. But if all your money comes from outside of South Carolina, you haven't made that connection with me to go and vote In for you. South Carolina. Okay. Yeah, I, South Carolina. I, I get what you're, get what you're saying, but I thought that the, the money ultimately allows no, for you the to get ads. a That's what I'm saying, to get a broader push yeah, on sure. your message. But so it doesn't, you know I mean, that doesn't hollow. But, but it's like, listen, it's a lot of money, but that's just, that's money, and that's this money. Mm. What's the difference between this money and then handing someone money? 
There's a difference. It's a relationship. Okay. Even if it's three dollars, someone who someone who gives him fifteen hundred dollars from New York City can't vote for him. But someone who gives him three dollars from South Carolina is willing to probably vote, vote for him. Okay. Right. I may make all the phone calls I, I want, but like getting a phone call from me to somebody in South Carolina, like you really should vote for Jamie Harrison. They're like, okay, but like. <laughs> They, we needed that connection, so I wasn't surprised. Yes, they have a black senator, but he's a Republican, and you hear the nonsense yeah. that he talks about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I think what's what's at stake is Georgia's on the table. Yeah, God bless Stacey Abrams, right? Yeah. So Stacey Abrams, the work that she's been doing for over a decade, right? Keep in mind her organization Fair Fight wasn't just in Georgia to to possibly turn sixteen electoral college votes that the Democrats have left on the table. She's yeah. like, stop leaving them on the table. They would not listen, right? Her organization, you know why Nevada's in play? Fair Fight. You know why Wisconsin's in the blue yeah, column? Yeah. Fair fight, yeah, right? right That's that. her organization doing this work outside of Georgia. They they have long vision, long hustle. So the thing is, that race, the reason why it's such a national race, and they got to be careful, the Democrats, because they're getting all the money from everybody. Everybody in New York. My students are like, how can I? I literally just, the text I was looking at was like, how much money should I give and how often, right? Hmm. This is a buddy of mine in Harlem. So yeah, the... On the table, it's going to be like, this is the most expensive Senate races we've ever seen. Yeah, We're going to yeah, see yeah. all that. How many people in Georgia are giving the money? That's what we got to ask. Right? Mm. We got to make sure that that, because money doesn't mean everything. It helps. Trust and believe it helps. But you got to make sure that there's a connection with the money. The people who were there have to feel connected to the money. And so the reason why that race is important is because right now we're at 48 and 48. We have two yeah. independents, right? Yep. Not to decide, it's to decide. But So those two seats are of, the, of great import, right? right? Because that'll decide whether or not the Democrats are in control. Yep, hopefully Chuck also Schumer, from Warnock get it, who, yeah. Who's not built for this moment. Or Mitch McConnell, right? Who's an obstructionist. And so Joe Biden is, even though they're old friends and whatever, he, Mitch McConnell is going to be an obstructionist. And if there's ever a tie, the tiebreaker is the vice president, the vice president of the president. United States, Kamala Harris. So we can pretty much assume how that's going to shake out. That's why Republicans are like, we have to win these seats. Now, keep in mind, we're not out of the woods. Even if Democrats win these seats, in two years, seats one of those again. seats goes up again because we yep. know the Senate seats have to be off schedule, right? Yep. Because only a third of the Senate is up every two years. Every two years, every member of the House, all 435 members are up, but only a third of the Senate. So if you live in a state like Georgia right now, where both of your senators are on the ballot, one of them has to get off cycle. So then mm. it, it goes with the natural course of things, right? Mm. And so that's going to be another race in two years where it's like, what are we, do <laughs> like, what are we doing with the money again? Mm. Um, and, and we know that Americans tend to like divided government. By divided government, that means the president is of one party and then one of the branches or both of the branches of Congress are of a different party. Because they like to sort of be able to slow down the levers of power just a little bit. So before you tell us how we can keep, keep this fight going, can you give us your, I guess your... Uh... <sighs> Look into your crystal ball, if you will. What do you think is going to end up happening with this Warnock and Ossoff's runoffs coming up? When you develop political instincts, is what I tell my students all the time, you have to be really clear about what you want to happen and what you think will happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, with South Carolina, people wanted Jamie to win. I wanted Jamie to win, right? right? But my political instincts were like, Psh, girl, bye. Lisa's not winning. Like, it's South Carolina. It's not a, this is the home of Dylan Roof. This is the home of a boy who shoots a sitting member of the state Senate and then gets to go to Burger King. That's who we're dealing with over here. 
So no, mm-hmm. no, Jamie mm-hmm. Harrison's not going to get it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people around the country were excited for him, but come on, let's mm-hmm. know who you bring to the dance, right? Mm-hmm. So I would love for them to win. I would. I don't. But you don't see it happening. I don't. I don't. I don't. Because keep in mind, Brian Kemp, who used to be Secretary of State, who's now the governor, who lied, cheated, and steal, and stole that election from Stacey Abrams. I will go to my deathbed saying that. Like, because I know it. I feel it in my bones. I know it. And Mm. so you've got the Secretary of State aiding and abetting. You've got a governor who knows how to do it. Right? And you've got Republicans who are like, stakes is high. We will do anything to make sure we win this race. So even, I mean, today I was on MSNBC and Warnock came on the segment after me. And so they're like, hey, you want to stick around and ask him a question? Sure. First question out the gate for Warnock was, so we know that you have a relationship with Jeremiah Wright. You remember Jeremiah Wright? Yeah. From Barack Obama. Obama, Obama yeah. So it's like, old, wait, what? So it's like, oh, you guys are starting with like the greatest hits and then you're going to like bring it to like the new stuff. I see that okay. you, you came in causing trouble. I yeah. See so it's like, okay. And so that's going to just already put him on the defensive with some, you know, good liberal white people who are going to be like, wait a minute. Oh no, he likes an anti-Semite, which is like, and first of all, that's not even the case about yeah, Jeremiah Wright, but yeah. that's the talking Absolutely point. Not. And yeah, it doesn't matter if it's not true. You say it enough times, right? Or you, you put out an ad on January 1st where he doesn't have time to respond to it. And then mm. boom, there we go, right? And so we know Loeffler has the money and she has people who are going to give her the money to say and do all types of things. So Warnock made like a cute ad, like you're going to see a lot of negative ads, like don't believe them. But people are going to believe them because the, the beauty of a negative ad is there's always an element of truth in the negative ad. So like, yeah, I'm sure he is colleagues and friend, friendly, right, with Jeremiah, right? They're both pastors of major yep. churches and major cities. Of course they know each other. Does that mean they're best friends? Absolutely not. Does that mean they agree on the same things? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. But of course they have to know each other. So the ad only has to say that they know each other. You have a connection. And then everybody, it's and then the rest, the rest is just up to your imagination, yeah, right? And so that. I'm not feeling great. There's a lot of work that we still can do. We have a little under a month, but I'm not feeling, I, I'm very clear that my, my wish is not my political science instinct. Interesting. Okay. All right. We're going to try and get you out on this question. And it's a question that okay. we ask of all of our guests. I got a little bit more time. Doing. My other podcast doesn't start until 10. <laughs> so. As someone who studies politics and Uh policy and how policy and people affect policy and politics, how do you feel being, I guess, being the voice of the people and for lack of a better description, having that weight to be expected to explain things the way you're explaining it tonight for us that don't understand it? How do you feel? Yeah. So I view it as an honor and a privilege. I don't purport to speak for all black people by any stretch. I've had a very you know, charmed, privileged life. And, you know, I read a lot, and but there's a lot of stuff that I don't know firsthand, right? Mm. But I view, every time I go on television, I view it as such. There are a lot of people in this country who have not had the opportunities that I've had. They yeah. haven't for yeah. racist institutions, a whole bunch of reasons, but they haven't. Sure. And so I try and view myself as you're getting, in my little five-minute segment, like a free class with me, yeah. who's had all this education poured into her from fancy schools, from day one, you're getting like a, a five minute, just snippet into my class. Hmm. And hopefully, and for me, it's very helpful because I was always very clear. I never want to be one of those academics where I can only talk to other academics. 
where I'm using a $25 word when a five cent word will do. Right. And so a lot of us, even, you know, a lot of black families are mixed class families. So, you know, like my brother-in-law met my sister at Harvard and he's got some uncles and cousins incarcerated. Yeah. And it's like a lot of black families are like that. Right. So it's like, and we also, you know, like on my dad's side of the family, my great grandparents went to college. On my mom's side of the family, my grandparents had some of seventh grade, some of ninth grade, right? So it's it's about character yeah. and hard work. Yeah. And it's also about education. But like the two sides of the family just create to, to me a, a great melange of you know who I should be. And at the core of both sides of the family is you are black. All all things you do are in service to black people, right? Like that yeah. is that's yeah. the goal. So you go to your fancy schools, but like you're black. And you do this to give back to black people. Like, don't ever get it twisted. Which is so funny because when you tell white people that, they're like, you don't want to be white? And I'm like, hell no. Mm. And and that's what I'm like, throws them off. No, 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 no. Like, I've been in these spaces, but like, the blackness is the key. So doing the television stuff and like radios and podcasts, it's I want to make sure that I always, this is why I love teaching intro to politics. I'm always trying to keep my feet as close to the ground where I can always articulate complex concepts in a way that you don't have to have a PhD from Columbia University to understand. Like, cause we know if we think about it, we don't even have to think hard. Some of the smartest people we know didn't go to college. Yeah. So it's like, so I don't have to dumb it down. I just need to approach it where it's like, okay, let me just frame it in a way that makes sense. And I'm not using fancy words for no reason. I mean, you know, like I took out all this like upper level stats that are in my dissertation because it's like it literally was Greek. It's like nobody needs to read all these regression analyses, and, you know, all this factor scores. Like I'm, I'm proving my point mathematically, but I don't need to have that. I would never want a black person to pick up my book and be like, I think she's talking about me, but I can't like what what is all why did she have all this? What is all this? Like she's not even using words. She's literally just using like these mathematical you know, Greek equations to basically say white supremacy is bad and black people need to come together. That's, that's the takeaway. So like, but in my dissertation to get out of Columbia University, I had to show them all the fancy, you know, chi squares and everything else. So I think that to me is, I think a lot of us are trying to do that because we recognize that a lot of people in the mainstream media don't understand race and they don't understand racism. So I do have a unique perspective because it's like, well, I understand race. I'm black and I, lo- I love being black and I love black people. But it's like, but I also understand racism, mm-hmm. which is very different than understanding race. Yeah, and so that is, that's a different perspective of, you know, we're a little ahistoric in this country. And so recognizing that everything that we're seeing today has like real roots in the foundation of white supremacy, anti-black racism, patriarchy, and racialized capitalism, the mm-hmm. roots of this country. Mm-hmm. So if you can't understand those four elements, I call them the four legs of the table, then you're not going to understand what's happening today. So that's why people are like, well, why do white women vote Republican? I'm like, oh my God, Like to me, that's like the the neon sign of the connection to patriarchy. Like, come on. So, you know, a lot of the questions people have, like, why do Latinos in Miami, you know, why do they sometimes vote Republican? I was like, you don't want to talk about like Cuban Americans, Venezuelans, Argentinians? Like, I mean, like, these are like... This like for black people who have not gone to college or you know don't really quote unquote study politics, they can tell you all that in twenty seconds, like yeah. twenty seconds. They know they understand because they understand race and racism. Yeah, 
And so for me, it's just sometimes I'm just there to like confirm what people already know. Hmm. And it's like, see, I thought that. And this chick with a PhD is saying, saying the same thing. It's like, it's right, gotta be I'm right. Just, I'm just here for backup. That's <laughs> No doubt. Dr. Christina Greer, thank you Gentlemen. so much. We really appreciate you taking the time out. Before Anytime. we have you, before you head out, please tell our good folks where they can find you if they'd like to find you and your material and everything. Mm. <laughs> well, I can't have a web. I can't have a website. Let her repeat herself. Good grief, right. man. So if you want to buy my book, you can go on Amazon. I love how, you know, all the elders like, where can I get that book? That's translation for send me a free copy of your book, right? Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, where do you get any other book? Like, you have tons of books uh, in your home. So it's like, you can go and get my book. Google it. Um, so you can buy Black Ethnics. I have a podcast called FAQ NYC, super nerdy podcast. If you're in New York, you can watch New York One. I spend every election night, debate night with them. I've got a pop-up podcast with Jason Johnson called Dear Culture Podcast. It's through the Grio. Um, and we were going to just do four episodes and it was supposed to end Tuesday, but now that this is going on, we're going to do it through the inauguration and sort of awesome. see how that That's goes. Mm. Um, I have some shows on ozy.com. I'm an editor at large for them. But also, if you all are looking to um, just understand the Electoral College or executive orders or gerrymandering, um, I have these TED-Ed cartoons that I've made for educators. So it's like dope. I write them and narrate the script. Oh, nice. um, it's dope. really helpful. Yes. And then I started doing like a Black History Month section for them. So it's Ida B. Mm, Wells, awesome. James Baldwin, and Byron awesome. Preston. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of like, you know, jack of all trades. I just like education and, you know, I'm, I'm around. You'll hear me on different <laughs> podcasts and NPR and, you know, talking about all things local, state, national politics. That's what's up. <laughs> Thank you, this Dr. has been thoroughly fantastic. Yes, so indeed. I guess We're you can pay me in Jollof. You yeah, can I, pay me in Jollof. I got don't, it. Don't wait for it, Doc. Don't I got, wait for uh, it. Like, all right. Thank okay. you, Dr. Right. Greer. We really all appreciate All right, gentlemen. You all have a wonderful Take night. Care, Doc. Yes, well. Okay. Thank Until you. soon. Thanks. My guys, we really appreciate Dr. Greer taking the time out to kick it with us, man. I mean, uh, I know... I can only speak for myself, not for these two knuckleheads. I was oh, okay. thoroughly educated and informed during that segment. So I know you guys oh, were paying. She schooled you really good, too, boy. That was good. I'm glad she came through to, to reinforce a point that I was just like, yes. Actually, um, I, I will say in all honesty that um, I uh, I took a, uh, I was, I related personally to the book that she uh she put out Black Ethnics because I have a pair of parents who came to this country uh, looking for that American dream, um, mm -hmm. coming from otherwise uh, colon previously colonized nations. And, uh, you know, what they encountered here, what my father um, encountered here as a, as a young Guyanese man with, <laughs> with long wavy hair and a beard down to his chest, um, you know, black people were calling him Jesus when they met him. And, you know, he wondered why weeks in, like, why is that? He came here like, like in the early 70s. He was like, why are all these brothers so mad? Mm. He said, he said, even the women are mad. He's like, and, and, and you know, that, that wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't feeling that. Uh, but he did, but, but he soon got a dose of why. Because he called himself as Guyanese. But he realized when he stepped on that shore, oh, he's wow. black. Oh, I'm a nigga. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. so to so to live and work here, I gotta be called a nigga. Yeah. And so yeah. that's when that was the spark of his anger, you know. And, and my, my my mom was a little bit different, I guess, in, in a certain ways. She came straight to New York with her with her friend and she got right into nursing, and they were actually pretty well off at, at the time. Um, so I, I can't really remember. I wish you know, my, I don't know if my mom really had any bad experiences being a relatively well-paid young black woman in the 70s in New York. Um, but uh I know my dad had some issues, you know, coming to DC trying to go to Howard and everything. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm once again, this is one of the reasons why we do this show to have an opportunity to have these conversations, these in-depth conversations is one of the reasons also why as you're watching this, that you need to support black media, have an opportunity for us to have these conversations, beef it out, talk the talk and be able to, at the end of the day to say that we love each other, but we, you know, we just don't, we just don't agree. You're not going to get this type of real talk and this type of real conversation from mainstream media. So no. I want to take this opportunity to make sure that you guys no, this is one of the reasons why you need to support. Now, as we're jumping into the second segment of the show, Elle, are you ready, man? Because, I mean, all that schooling that you got earlier, man, I didn't think I saw your eyes. <laughs> want to make sure that you... <laughs> you know, I keep telling Elle, but I said when I see you in the streets, it's a wrap. It's a it's a done deal, man. You know, hold up, hold up. I'm going to, before we, before we get into the second second segment, I want to make sure to exp express my my difficulties with Elgin. Do you know that Elgin moved moved to a new location, right? <laughs> Recently, he moved to a new place. So me being the nice guy that I am, I said, you know, Elgin's my home. His wife Choosh! has nothing to Choosh! do with him at all. <laughs> I said, Elgin, you just moved. You know, I would I would love to send you a housewoman gift. Give me your address. Three days goes by, five days goes by, a week goes by. <laughs> I hit Elgin, I'm gonna say, Elgin, yo, I'm trying to send you a housewoman gift. What's your address, my guy? What's going on? Oh, Whole other fucking week goes by. Now go, I text my wife. I, said, I tell my wife, I said, yo, is Elgin think I'm going to come and rob him or something? Because this nigga, I've been telling Elgin this dude for like the past. He refused. He's keeping that shit classified, man. <laughs> like, until, until, like, until, until his inauguration. My wife said, <laughs> he's been telling you he don't like you. This is just him showing the show. Like, yeah, damn. So, so I messaged the dude. I said, Elgin, I thought we were friends, my guy. I just the last time I'm gonna ask you for your motherfucking address. <laughs> Even you're gonna give it to me. You know? See, he's afraid to for you to see them those 60 acres he bought. He's always gonna those come 60, kick those 60 kick acres. more like Biggie or something. I don't know what his damn problem is, man. He didn't help, he didn't ask to come help move. <laughs> to carry a box to unpack. A, a oh, so this nigga L like fuck a gift, nigga. I need your back. <laughs> right, listen, man. I need your, I need your hands and feet, nigga. I don't need no gift. You wanna know where I live? Are you coming to help unpack? <laughs> I got these. Six, I got these sixty acres, nigga. Will you mow that shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, damn, you are not I, my address. I, 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 are you coming to help move? Nigga? I don't need a rice maker. <laughs> I need a lawnmower. With you yeah. mowing the lawn. <laughs> 
I'm talking about housewarming gift. That's another package I gotta unpack. Elton, can I tell you once again in front of God in America how much I hate you, man. man? I hate you. I hate you like fat kids hate carrots. Go ahead and start the damn. Go ahead and jump into the second segment, man. Listen, man. I don't know who is worse, Democrats or Republicans. We know what the great Malcolm X once stated about both parties. He called one party the fox, the other party the wolves. Mm. With everything that has been taking place with the election, your boy uh, Orange Gina showing his ass, trying to figure out any possible way to remain in office, along with trying to be as disruptive as possible while he's easing out of the door, you got the Democrats on the other side. We know with the, the murder of George Floyd, the murder of Breonna Taylor, and countless others, all across the country, there's been a number of civil unrest, civil uprisings. Many of us call them rebellions all across the country. But one of the key slogans and key demands that we have had has been what? Defund the police. police. So what do these motherfuckers do? <laughs> the first opportunity they get is to begin this dialogue or to not even begin, but to add light to this dialogue that defunding the police, A, should not take place. And in many ways, they're using this rhetoric that saying defunding is is not the word we should find a a a softer more palatable phrase to use instead of defunding so now you have people within the democratic party who are actually going to war with each other words of course but arguing back and forth it's absolutely nuts and these are not the clears yeah this is not the clearance. This is not the white folks, bro. No, 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 no. I think the, I think the people that started most of it were the, you know what I mean. White folks have been involved, but this has not been an all clear battle. You've had mm-hmm. some pretty True. prominent black politicians who have, Hakeem Jeffries, that dude, Clyburn, yeah, Jim Clyburn too. And I, I think it's really interesting, man. Given the circumstance. You don't want to use that term. I don't remember any, and maybe I'm wrong, and our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there were any progressive candidates, and we're going to label them as progressives, candidates that ran specifically on defund the police. Not one. All of these major figures, because Hakeem Jeffries came out of his mouth saying, do you want to be internet celebrities or do you want to get change done? Mind you, the squad, the biggest and notable folks of the progressive movement, quote unquote, outside of Bernie, right? So we're talking about AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, um, Ayanna Presley, all of them, every single one that was up for re-election won their seats again. Even with the, the air or the shadow of defund your police and socialism over the top of their head. So what does that tell you? That tell you it's not necessarily about defund the police. It's about the messaging behind defunding the police. If you're able to articulate yourself, I honestly don't think that it would have been a detriment to them. Meanwhile, 
you're hearing Jim Clyburn and Hakeem Jeffries talk about, oh, we can't let these white folks here defund the police because it's scaring them off. Instead of saying, how do we explain defund the police to these white folks so that we can get some change done? True. And it's the and worst this, this thing that I've seen. Like, either. Well, this is not new. We saw this before in history. We have very similar member when Stokely Carmichael, young Stokely Carmichael was riding with Dr. King Early on, when he first said black power, there was a huge mm. ripple across the movement. Yeah. I mean, a major ripple. And yeah. that one phrase was one of the key reasons why Stokely ended up going his Separating own himself, way. yeah. Because of the backlash over that one phrase. So we've seen this take place. But I, I, I'm just so frustrated that we continue to have to engage in this sort of verbal gymnastics over a clear issue. Like this is not a made up issue. Data shows that overwhelmingly in major cities, police budgets are the dominant, are the dominant amount of money that they're actually paying out across Often, and I don't often at the detriment of educational systems 100%. nationwide. 100%. Often at detriment. 100%. Literally throwing money away from education for more cops. For more weapons. For more military for, for more militarization of the police. Armor and, and battering rams and, and, and tear gas and cluster cluster bombs and shit. Like I'm like, this is just fifth ward. So there's some major cities that have police departments that have budgets that are larger than some entire budgets for small cities in this for country. Man. And, and, I don't, and, they incre- and they get increased and they keep getting increased. Increase everything oh, yeah. because they're telling you, you know what? That's one of the things that gets me all the time, right? You hear the argument that you don't want people to, and I don't want to stray too far from the, from the topic at hand, but right. when people talk about taxes, right? They say it's not about increasing your taxes. It's about how well you spend the money, right? But that argument never applies to the police. It never applies to the military. It's always, we got to give them more money. We got to get them what they need. This is what they want. We need to spend the money. We need to spend the money. We need to spend the money. Meanwhile, no one is asking these same entities, these police, to do any sort of uh, audit, tight, audit. audit tightening your their their belt straps or their boot straps yeah. or their belt. They never have to it. sacrifice nothing. Never have to sacrifice, sacrifice anything, everything. Well, they've been so brilliant, man, in a real devious way by using all of these tropes and stereotypes to to to, to, to paint these pictures that violence is always a right possibility. Right so why right. not have all of this? And don't forget, man. How powerful the FOP you right about is that in this doggone country, See? man. Listen, man. Look, look no, they're a gang. They're, they're a gang, just like the IRS, and they and they and they have old money, old money, and support of 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 old 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 families in this country. You know, I mean, it's 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 out it's out of control. But I mean, circling back to this infighting over semantics which is basically going to stall this human rights issue semantics it's going to stall this issue 
like I said, the last in our, in our last conversation last week, man, uh, we were we were having that conversation about how Democrats on many levels fail to be able to tell voters why they should be voting for them, not why they shouldn't be voting for the other guy. They engage in these identity politics and they use that as the the cudgel to beat black folks and other people of color over the head. It's like, well, you know, that, that guy's racist. He's not going to take care of your community. Mind you, a lot of these folks at the end of the day aren't doing the messaging necessary. So, okay, that guy's a racist. A racist I get it. And I can trust you, quote unquote, to be able not to be as racist, right? Quote unquote. Okay, so what's next? How are you going to help what's my family? Policies? What's the agenda? What's the policies that what's we're going to be following or going through? Healthcare for all. Listen, every every progressive, and I'm going to use that loosely again, progressive sure. candidate that was up for election for Congress in a swing state that that uh, ran on universal health care or Medicare for all. Every single one won their seat this election cycle sure. because they were able to articulate their message. Are you going to tell me that you guys can't find a damn way to articulate defund the police? It's called the reason marketing. Why, because they're, they're, you know what it is, is because they're scared that for, for whatever reason that at the end of the day, they're going to be called weak on crime or whatever. Yeah. I don't get it. But there was a there was a poll here, and I can't remember exactly where it was. But this poll did uh, a number of polls on some of the major issues that were not involved in the campaign. Because let's keep it a buck: Biden and Harris won, but they did not run on a platform. They had their platform literally was that other guy's bullshit. Let's get him out of office. True. No policies, nothing of substance. They did the poll, and it was like universal health care over 81%. Overwhelmingly. Of people, overwhelmingly, the people in the country wanted that. I think the other one was like staying away from foreign conflicts, wars. Overwhelmingly, it was all of these things that we all want. It was criminal justice reform. They used that language overwhelmingly, people across the country want these things, but for some reason, we cannot get these doggone politicians to actually operationalize, operationalize these intentions. I'm, I'm looking as I'm, and I'm looking like oh, kind of crazy, but I'm looking for some stats that I saw earlier today, which I want to, I want to go ahead and read. <clears throat> these are polls that were done. I, I wish I could show you guys, but these were polls that were done by Fox, by Fox News specifically, okay? And it talks about polling their folks, asking them, one, what should happen to illegal immigrants? Mm -hmm. Question number one, pathway to citizenship. Question number two, deportation. 72% of Fox viewers said that illegal immigrants should get a pathway to citizenship. But you didn't hear that argument coming out of the Democratic Party. It was just like, we got to get this dude out of office so that we can get things done. Okay, so what things do you want to get done? Uh, well, we just want to get things done. Here's the second poll. <clears throat> Fox News again. Change to government-run health care plan. Asking Fox viewers, would they change to a government-run 
healthcare plan. 72% were in favor, 29% opposed. This is Fox News. And you know who their demographics are. But for whatever reason, uh, Hakeem Jeffries and uh, Jim Clyburn are going to tell me or tell us that they can't find a way to articulate defund the police because that's a bridge too far. That's socialism. That's all these other things that they want to throw out there to scare folks. It's nonsense, man. It's nonsense. And it's one of the reasons why I have a hard time, even though I am a registered Democrat, why I have a hard time getting behind them, right? Because I don't feel, and maybe this is the way a lot of folks feel because almost, I think it's 2.7 million, almost 3 million folks voted in another candidate in this election. Yeah. Yeah. 3 it'll million be, other people said, I'm going to vote for higher. somebody. It'll be but so much higher. Kanye time. West got 60,000 goddamn votes, man. I'm telling you that a third party will be soon and very soon will be involved in deciding who the president is because motherfuckers are tired of this two-party system because these folks listen man you literally have black folks in the streets who have been in the streets protesting all damn year through the damn pandemic yelling defunding and defunding and you have cities who are actually capitulating and saying you know what that's a great idea because this is what we can do but you have these people who are in power talking and you know Clyborne ain't shit down in South Carolina you you know what he's all about but the audacity to ignore and that's why people go remain in them damn streets. And I'm telling you, the next the time part. it happens again, we saw it with Walter Wallace right here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Some black folks down in Philly were out in the streets fighting these police officers. Yeah. yeah. The next time another one happens like that on a larger scale, tell you. I, I think the biggest thing, the, the, the worst problem is, is that it comes across, at least to me, it comes across as an insult, right? Like you over, like you've already articulated, we have so many people that have been in these streets fighting the fight and the movement right now is to defund the police. And we understand defunding the police doesn't necessarily mean police abolition. Those are two different arguments altogether. Yeah, just reallocate that's, funds that's the, the necessary that's the agencies point. that can help the community. That's where organizers and activists are actually meeting these folks uh, attempting to meet these folks halfway yep because most of us are what up abolitionists we want the whole yeah there's tear the system down but we're willing to meet these motherfuckers halfway you want to know why because our lives are the one that's been fucking in jeopardy at the end of the day yep you right about that and y'all still the one that fucking meet us halfway but that's what i'm saying is that when you talk about it it's like you see these people that are in the streets and they're fighting the good fight. And then at when you comes down to actually trying to make tenable policy, it's like, be quiet and get in line. Not let's talk about this further. Let's flush this out. Even if we don't get the full defunding that you're looking for in terms of the policy, let's figure something out. Instead of doing that, it's like, well, we got to find a, a different way to, to talk about it. Abigail Spanberg, I forget where the hell she's, what where she represents. But she came out on some damn conference call Democrats had and was like, if we keep using terms like defund the police and socialism, uh, we're never going to be in party again. We're going to lose the House. 
So, bitch, you didn't know that they were going to tell you that you were a socialist before, or say that they were going to use defund the police before you started so running for your seat. All right. Anyway, it is what it is, man. But but again, when you look at the numbers, our voting numbers, we still vote overwhelming Democrat. Democrat. Now, I think this particular election is an anomaly because that orange ass dude was in the office. I think mm. in this particular case, we did vote overwhelmingly Democrat to, to mm -hmm. get rid of that motherfucker. Mm -hmm. But Biden and Harris, they didn't even have to have a platform. Can you tell me what their platform was? Either one of you? I mean, I mean, I, I, I've read the, I I've mean, read this. I, 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 I remember the bits and pieces, but that's the problem. I, I, mean, I, I don't think they articulated it well enough out in the open. Like I said, you watching all three nights at the Democratic convention. I mean, it was very hard to hear any of their platform there. But I mean, I, mean, I heard key terms. You know, the the criminal justice reform, um, but you know, racial justice, um, but you know. Detail? Mm, no, I mean his intentions on meeting with Black Lives Matter. That would have been awesome. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You know what I'm thinking about right now is making me laugh, man. I think part of the problem right now is that the fact that we're even talking this way, right? You know, we're going to get lumped into a bucket. They're going to say that you, you the Ice Cubes and Kanye West of the world. You, you terrible what? black people voting against you. Why wouldn't you vote for them? <laughs> What? And they're gonna call you a hater. Uh, Listen, I did an IG the other day, and I was like, "Yo, we need, this is when the work starts. We need to start holding people's feet to the fire and make yeah. sure that these politicians do what they need yeah. to do." I can't and tell I you how many comments, people like, messaging me talking about man, you a hater, you, hey, a ice cube, you must be a what? Trump supporter. And I'm like, ice cube. "This is all I told you to do. Ice cube. <laughs> make sure these yeah. dudes do." Whoa, what they wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, now the the ice cube situation. The ice cream situation, I'm going to break that shit down very It was simple. messy. It was messy. No, it's very, very simple. Very simple. The, 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 brother, the brother let his ego get away with him and, th and, you know, think for some reason that out of all of the black people that this demon has met with, that you are going to be the one to convince him to agree to the contract with Black America. I see. I okay, see. that that is it was just a, you know, and just because the other group told you to hold on a minute. Granted, they're not the best group either, but you know, at that point you should have paused and and reflected on you know on on the history this that, that the opposition has with people that look like you. What makes you special? Because you made uh, <laughs> barbershop one, two, and three. Yeah, like, no, no, no. You should have stopped no. at barbershop one. No, uh, no, no, no. And and and, 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 you know, and, th and then you're going to spurn a meeting with featuring dudes like Killer Mike who, 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 who are opening banks and buying property. Yeah, I'm doing that with the shit. Yeah, and talking about, I want to get shit done. You, you need, you need a one on one. It's funny because you haven't heard his voice after the election. To get, shit, to get shit done. Nigga, I mean, nigga, you got played. You got played. Jared Kushner tried to use you in a fucking meme. Yeah. You, had to, you had to shut him down and run, scramble around like a damn it. You got played, nigga. Period. 
Boy, Wait. he got crushed, fired up. Boy. I know, right? I know, right? Crushed with a hand. He pulled a hand out. <laughs> I'll pull both hands out. They got a play, nigga. <laughs> like I said, it's funny because you haven't heard his voice after the election, though. So I'm waiting to see what he's got to say for himself. But that's that's a whole other thing. All I got to say is this. Like I said, we can, we can close it out on this, man. It's just very, very interesting that the when people try to build a movement it's very interesting to see the people that try to put roadblocks in that way or don't seem to want to get on board and trying to get the change that supposedly that they're also fighting for so oh cuz they cuz they, they already getting the peace and they need to keep their peace i want to i want to get hakeem jeffries on the show just so elgin can tell him off i think we're going to do that <laughs> Yeah, for real. <laughs> never mind, never mind, never mind. And, and, find, and find out where he's getting, his, find out where he's getting his piece from. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. All right, right about now is the time when we like to give you little tidbits of news and words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So, Crush, what's up? Um, I just want to send a shout out to um the OGs of my hip hop culture. Um, you know, there's been a lot of great music this year, and it's continuing. Um, big shout outs to uh to my fellow. West Indian Brethren, Buster Rhymes, um, you know he phenomenal uh, album. put out a phenomenal, phenomenal album. I've not album. heard it yet, man. I keep hearing he, that he's oh, he, he he just injected a much needed energy into the Ooh. into the culture, into the into the, into the business period. And what is um, it? A, it was a four or five year hiatus, right? Uh, about eight, up? about close eight nine, nine years. Eight nine, nine years. years. Okay. Okay. And um, you know him amongst others, um, <coughs> like, like like Black Thought and Bane the Butcher, Ti. You know, everyone's putting out phenomenal work. Um, you know, making these young cats may have to reconsider their pen. You know what I'm saying? Mm, uh, mm. Although there are young cats doing their thing too. No, 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 taking away from them. Yeah, no. But, but, uh, you know, it's 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 a great time in the culture right now. OGs are stepping up in a, in a, in a phenomenal way, and uh, you know, I hope it can. And uh, you know, men and women both. Mm. And uh, oh, and, and and rest in peace. Happy birthday to Heavy D. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I'm going to have to pick that thing up, man. I know I'm behind. L, what's up? Uh, man, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, man, this is a story that is going to be gaining tons of traction here. Uh, you'll see it quite a bit, but a trigger warning to everyone. Um, when you do go to Google this particular name, be very, very cautious of clicking on the images. Uh, down in Louisiana, uh, there was a 15-year-old black boy in rural Louisiana. Um, he left his family's house. Family was unsure of where he had went to. They called the police after he didn't arrive back at a certain period of time, asking the police for their assistance in finding him. The police do did what police typically do when black children are missing. Took they come time. up with some justification of where they possibly be. But if it was a little white girl, a little white boy, different story. Long story short, a white male came out and said that they saw a little, um, I don't want to butcher this young man's name. I think it's Quaywan. Uh, Quaywan Charles was the young kid's name, 15-year-old boy. Well, anyway, witnesses shown that he got into a vehicle with a white woman and another white, younger white male. Uh, after they found his body, 
the police initially said he just drowned. That was the initial thing that they came out with. He was drowned. But then when the family actually saw the body and how mutilated and how beaten his body was, they knew it was some other nefarious, heinous way that this young man met his end. Um, it's a very heavy story, man. Uh, I encourage everyone to take a look at the story, um, get familiar with the story. I know people are immediately want to equate it to young Emmett Till because there's some similarities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the similarities is that uh, it rumored that the mother of young Kwewan actually wanted the images of his body to sure. be circulated yeah. very much like Mama Till did of young Emmett. I don't know how much how true that is, but I'm going to tell you, I saw the images. They're horrendous. I will never forget what this young boy's face looks like. But it's something really, really important to think about here, man. One of the reasons why this hasn't gotten as much traction is particularly because a white woman was involved in this case. Whenever you see crimes across this country, racialized crimes that involve white women, unless we're making jokes of them in a caring sort of way, very, very little bit publicity, very little attention, they're very much protected. But I hope that justice is served. And this family has been unbelievably compassionate yeah. in this. They have showed, I mean, God level composure because if it was me, I'd be burning. Oh, everything down, everything down. I'm not going to lie to you, man. When you sent me uh, the initial articles and you gave me that bold ass warning, avoid the images. I clicked his name. And the, unfortunately, you know how Google is. The very first thing that came up was an image and it turned my stomach, man. I, I can't imagine what his final moments of life were like. Talk less of something like that happening to old. one of my children, man. Uh, yeah. No, child child killers get no mercy. Yeah, they should get no no mercy whatsoever on site, on site, on site. Somebody got to die. On site, on site. No doubt. So, oh, what Uh, you got, man? What's up for me, man? I want to end it out on a little bit of a happy note because that got to get that out of my mind, man. So, Florida is going to Florida, man. And you, people have been saying it for a long time. Florida's probably one of the craziest places I'm in the world. Telling you, it was a failed experiment in no, IQ. It was a failed was IQ a, experiment. The article didn't tell me what the woman's name was, man, but I guess they're protecting her for some reason. But oh. there was a woman caught outside the middle of October, caught outside of a CVS, having some alone time by a dumpster with some cucumbers, right? So she got picked up by the police. And the police were like, you know what, you know, we're going to take you away. But the judge is like, this is, we know that this is a, a like your first offense. We're not going to throw you in jail. We're just going to tell you, behave yourself, slap on the wrist. She left the courthouse and the very next day she was found outside of a Popeye's by a dumpster, butt ass naked doing the same thing. And the number one question that I have for everyone who's listening <laughs> You should know by now what my question is. <laughs> you should know. And you know what the answer is to. 
Because when you hear certain stories, you can automatically say, oh, yeah, that was somebody black. That was somebody black. Barbecue, fire, black person. Masturbating next to a Popeyes with a cucumber. Yo, you, yo, man! I'm t- I, what's, I just... what's funny is that after they were saying when the when the manager and the folks came out to throw out the trash, <laughs> she was going at it, and they were looking like, "What the fuck is going on?" And she stopped and looked at him, was like, and kept going, and just kept oh going at God. it. It's like. <laughs> Yo, I don't. I, yo, yo, Florida, Florida is in a parallel dimension, man. It is, man. Florida is in a on, parallel dimension on man. Earth three six nine two one, motherfucker. Yeah, not, man, it's for real, man. Yo. It's not in this reality, man. We did, we, we just get, we, did, we, did, we just get to see it. We just get to see. That's her thing, dog. I don't know. That's her thing. It must be the atmosphere. It must be the atmosphere. It, it must be, man. It must be. I guess when sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Uh, oh, no. uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, Crush, yeah. where can people find you if they'd like to find you, my guy? Uh, I hate I, you. I, Crush, tell the folks where they can find you, man. Shut your man. You only got some nasty ass sexual. Let Crush tell the people where. Come on, y'all can find y'all can find me as usual on Instagram at the Orange Crush with a K or SP Methods. Um, uh, check out my folks, the Amphibians, at AMPHBNS.com for our new album, Breathe Volume One. No doubt, no doubt. L, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? You are nasty ass dude. Find you outside of a dumpster, the Popeyes. We're going to write you up. We're going to write you up. Okay. Oh, L, that's L, a violation, L, bro. L, 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 write him up. Send to his wife. Send to his wife. Send to his wife by FedEx. She knows. Send to his wife. She knows. She's documentation. She's documentation of this incident. This requires an incident report. Man, go ahead, L. Where can people find you? They want to find you, man. Man, send all of your hate mail to at Elgin Bailey on Twitter. Trust they're going to send it. <laughs> I'll fight. No doubt. And I'll, I'll fight y'all for send it. all of your cash to my cash. Yep. Dollar sign, Elgin Bailey. Jesus. Jesus. Come through. Jesus Christ. And, uh, and send me 15%. <laughs> man, shut up. I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter yes, and on yes, IG. <laughs> M- oh, shut up, man. Damn. At MR underscore. Email in the your black. mom. <laughs> Don't do that, man. Oh, <laughs> your mom be listening to you. <laughs> yeah, can I close the show out? Can I close the show out? You get a switch. You get a switch and not Nintendo. Can I close the show out, please? I am Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me and IG at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. I want to give another shout out to the incredible Dr. Christina M. Greer for coming on the show as well. If you enjoy what you've been hearing, please make sure to check us out across social media at In The Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you support Black media. And as always, informed, intelligent, In The Black. black. Peace. Peace. This is the In The Black Podcast.